Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times Sports Podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes. To keep in touch with us, use our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, which are all at Q and Review. That's C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. Or get in touch via information at qandreview.com. That's information at c-u-e-a-n-d-r-e-v-i-e-w.com. Please like and share our podcast and give us any constructive feedback. Evening Time Sport, March 29. Celtic Starlet Dembele, set for Ivory Coast call-up. Report by David Irvin. Celtic starlet Karamoko Dembele is set to be called up to the Ivory Coast national team. Reports last week claimed the attacker was identified as a possible star for the African national team amid representation wrangling between Scotland and England. The 19-year-old has appeared at youth level for Scotland and England, having been born in South London but growing up in Glasgow, but could now change his allegiance to the Ivory Coast. He is eligible to play for the country through his parents, who were both born there. Now Football Scotland claims Dembele met with Patrice Beaumel, the Côte d'Ivoire boss in London this week over a call-up. They report that Dembele and brother Sariki, who plays for Bournemouth, met with the national team manager and the FA representatives. It is claimed Dembele could be in line for a full international cap in the Ivory Coast's next set of fixtures. The news comes as Dembele's club future remains in doubt, with his current deal at Celtic expiring in the summer. Quizzed on the contract situation, Ange Postecoglou said previously, With all those things, it is kind of a two-way thing, and that will depend on Karamoko himself and where he sees his future, and we will sit down at the appropriate time with him and sort of try and map out what's best for him and what he thinks is best for him and we'll come to a decision. Report by David Irvin Evening Time Sport, March 29 Hockey ace Fiona Burnett desperate to get in on Sister Act Report by Graeme McPherson Fiona Burnett wouldn't be the first person to want what their sister has got, but typical sibling envy does not usually extend to Olympic medals. The 25-year-old has been part of the Scotland hockey setup for the past eight years, but only recently was welcomed into the full-time Great Britain squad at the start of the cycle for the Paris Games in 2024. Few were prouder than Burnett when big sister Anna won silver in the NACRA 17 sailing event at last year's delayed Tokyo Olympics, a rich reward for all her endeavour on the water. 
Fiona jokes that sailing was never really her thing, but she has excelled instead with a stick in her hand and stands now just 27 caps short of a century of Scotland appearances. Having only just joined the Great Britain squad, Burnett doesn't want to get too far ahead of herself too soon, but the possibility of emulating Anna by claiming Olympic silverware in two years' time is something that holds significant appeal. She reveals, I wish I had been able to get to Tokyo to watch Anna, but unfortunately we couldn't because of the restrictions. But we were watching from home every single day at the crack of dawn. That was really incredible, and it's had quite a big impact on me. I started to think, well, if Anna can go and win an Olympic medal, then maybe I can too. It was a really proud moment to see her do that. I've got a lot of sporting role models in the family, but Anna is the main one as a full-time athlete. It really helps to have someone to speak to who understands what's required and she's great at giving out advice and supporting me. Growing up in Shandon on the Clyde coast, the Burnett sisters never had to travel far to spend time in the water, but Anna enjoyed it more than Fiona. Explained the younger sister, I did do a bit of sailing as that's my dad's passion, so he wanted us all to get into it. So I think he was a bit upset that I didn't take to it as much as we would have liked. With the cold water and the weather we have in Scotland, I just didn't find it that enjoyable. I quit that one quite early on, but he had Anna at least. Fiona hasn't done too badly herself on the hockey front, as she assimilates herself with life as part of the Great Britain camp. She reveals, When I got my first Scotland call-up eight years ago, playing for Great Britain was probably in the back of my mind at the time, but in recent years, not really so much. I have been very happy playing for Scotland and also having my job and other things to focus on. I didn't really think it was on the cards for me. I've been enjoying my hockey a lot over the last few years and I think I've been playing better as a result. But this opportunity still came out of the blue. We're on the Paris cycle now, so it's going to be a massive couple of years for the squad. It's in the back of my head that we're all gearing towards the Olympics in two years time. Obviously, I have just joined the squad and I'm just starting out, so I'm very much just finding my feet. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself at this point, but it's definitely something to think about. Burnett is also still doing her day job in the Westminster Parliament in international relations, helping to facilitate bilateral relations between UK parliamentarians and their equivalent in the Asia-Pacific region, as she explains. The other side of her role centres on climate change, and she was proud to have attended COP26 in Glasgow 
to learn more about how athletes can use their platform to push the message. She adds, I loved being at COP. That was probably the most interesting thing I've been able to do while working in Westminster. It's something I'm really passionate about. So to be able to go to COP and bring parliamentarians from all around the world together was pretty special. I have joined an organisation called Eco Athletes that came off the back of the sport at COP event. Their whole mantra is about collecting a global network of athletes who all want to make a difference and push for action on climate change. That's something I'm really interested in doing. Being involved in the Great Britain setup now gives me a bit more of a platform to push for change. And I think a lot of athletes are interested in getting involved in that. And I think it's important to speak out about the things that you feel passionately about. Report by Graham McPherson. Evening Time Sport, March 30. Steve Clark reveals the reason Scotland conceded two late goals. Report by Matthew Lindsay. Steve Clark attributed the late collapse that denied Scotland a morale-boosting win over Austria in Vienna to the number of substitutions he made. The national team forged into a two-goal lead in the international friendly in the Ernst Happel Stadium thanks to a first-half Jack Hendry header and a second-half John McGinn strike. However, the visitors were held to a draw when they allowed two goals in the last 15 minutes. Clark, whose team extended their unbeaten run to eight games, admitted he was keen not to ask too much of certain individuals in his squad and to give others time on the park. He told the BBC, I think Austria would have been unlucky to lose that game tonight. Sometimes you have got to be honest. They had us under a lot of pressure, they created a lot of chances, and Craig Gordon made some really good saves. But we were in a good position, 2 nothing up, and defended well. We got in front in the first half, and had some good chances on the counter-attack we could maybe have capitalised on. We got the goal and led at half-time. We got the second goal. But immediately after that, I made three changes. It took us a wee bit of time to find our feet after that. The reason for that is it's a friendly game and you're looking to protect some players and bring some players to the pitch. It was just a consequence of that that we probably conceded the two later goals. The Qatar 2022 draw will be held on Friday. But Clark stressed his focus is on the Path A playoff semi-final against Ukraine. He said, We have still got two big steps to make to get to Qatar. There will be an outside interest because we have a possibility to be involved in the World Cup finals in November, and hopefully we are. But we will consider it a little bit more clearly as and when we get there. Report by Matthew Lindsay. Evening Time Sport, March 30. 
Lewis Ferguson beaming with pride after making full Scotland debut. Report by Darren Johnston. Lewis Ferguson admits he was beaming with pride after making his full Scotland debut in the entertaining 2-2 draw with Austria. The Aberdeen midfielder played for 77 minutes in Vienna after previously making two cameo appearances from the bench in last September's World Cup qualifying clashes with Denmark and the Austrians. It was a night of mixed emotion for Steve Clark's side, however, after the host fought back from Jack Henry and John McGinn goals to earn a draw in the friendly. Ferguson said, I was delighted, so proud to represent my country. To start a game is so much better, just delighted and as proud as I can be. It was just in the afternoon of the game I found out when we had our meeting and I had been looking forward to it ever since the gaffer let us know. I was obviously delighted to start the game. We played pretty well in the first half. We were a wee bit sloppy at times and it's disappointing in the end to, to concede the equaliser but overall pretty pleased. Ferguson insists the mood in the Scotland camp was as good as ever especially with June's rearranged World Cup playoff semi-final clash with Ukraine to look forward to. He added, it's been good. The boys like to get together. There's a real buzz about the place at the minute and it's really positive. We're unbeaten in nine and all the camps I've been involved in have been great. I think everybody likes coming away and working together and being together. It's a really tight group and everyone gets on well and I think everyone looks forward to getting away with the boys. A sizeable Tartan army support made their voices heard at the Ernst Happel Stadium and Ferguson appreciated the baggie. Speaking to the Scottish FA he said, The fans were brilliant as always and you don't expect anything less. A big thanks to them and hopefully they can continue to support us. Report by Darren Johnston Evening Time Sport March 30 Celtic's Hatati handed Japanese debut Report by David Irvin Celtic star Ryo Hatati has made his debut for Japan in the 1-1 draw with Vietnam. The midfielder started the match in the middle of the park for the Samurai Blue. The Japanese national side have already qualified for the World Cup later this year but had the remaining fixture to play in the qualifying stage. It offered a chance for rotation in the squad and Hatati was one of those brought into the starting side. But he was taken off at half time with Japan trailing by a goal at the break. However, in a boost for Celtic, Hatati was removed for tactical reasons and not through injury. He was replaced by striker Ito at the break. It means the midfielder should be well rested ahead of the clash against Rangers on Sunday, even though he faces the long journey back to Glasgow from Tokyo. Report by David Irvin Evening Time Sport March 30 Rugby 
The 2022 Six Nations was exciting, but will be remembered for wrong reasons, says Martin Hannan. The 2022 Guinness Six Nations Tournament will be remembered for many things, from the brilliance of France to the incredible Italian victory over Wales, from Scotland beating England and then underachieving, plus Ireland's hugely deserved triple crown. Sadly, however, I feel that an otherwise exciting and memorable tournament will be recalled in future years as a turning point of the wrong kind, when law changes and tactical kicking transform the way this professional sport is going to be played, and not for the better. Sure, there was much excitement in the tournament, but there was a deficit of quality play and a surfeit of safety-first kicking. Rugby Union used to be a relatively simple game, but watching matches with people who are not students of the sport was a bit of a revelation for me. Hardly anyone else in the room knew about the laws, and certainly not the law changes. It was therefore very difficult for them to follow the play, and just as an example, one fellow watcher expressed astonishment when Dan Bigger achieved his brilliant 50-22 kick against France. But he kicked it out, so why are Wales getting the throw in, was the gist of the comment, and I had to agree that it seemed perverse. Borrowed from Rugby League, I remain deeply unconvinced by the whole 50-22 project, but World Rugby will persevere with it, and so there has been a subtle but important alteration to the way rugby will be played in the future. There will be even more kicking, and there's already too much of it in the modern game. I am not the only one who is also ticked off by the new goal line dropout laws. I just can't understand why a goal line dropout is given to the defending side when the attacking side is held up over the line and I am happy to cite the opinion of the best referee in rugby history, Nigel Owens, in support of my view that world rugby should have a look again at this new law. Owens said in an interview with RugbyPass.com, You are actually rewarding defence rather than attack. In the past the benefit of the doubt would go with the attack, because it encouraged the attack in a game rather than a defence. And I'm also seeing a little more kicking creeping in, where teams are kicking long. Instead of dropping out from the 22 to restart, you're now dropping out from your own goal line. The other team catches the ball on halfway, and they kick it back, and we don't see any quick dropouts taken anymore. That was a skill in itself, an exciting part of the game. And you don't see dropout 22s now, where teams are competing for the ball. In the past, when you dropped out a 22, your team's forwards would compete for the ball, and you could win it back. You don't have that with the goal line dropout anymore. It's just a kick long now, and the opposition team kicks it back. In the beginning, I thought it was a good idea, 
that this could open up the game, but I'm just not seeing it. It has not helped the game, and it's depowering the scrum as well, with fewer 5 metre scrums. I don't think that law is working. Could not have put it better myself, Nigel. At least when he was refereeing, Nigel didn't make up things on the spot. And during the Six Nations, there were far too many refereeing decisions that were about interpretation of the laws rather than application of the laws. Numerous referees during the tournament were making judgment calls on scrums, for instance, that were very dubious. I think we will also see much fewer attempts at what are often the most exciting parts of the game, interceptions. Again, referees are deeming that an attempted interception is a deliberate knock-on and worthy of a yellow card. So players will just stop trying to intercept wayward passes and again we will lose some of the entertainment value of professional rugby. I have no problem with other law changes in recent years, but the 2022 Six Nations showed that rugby has become too complicated and moved away from its original concepts. For instance, why was there so much kicking? It's used tactically to clear the lines and hopefully put the opposition under pressure, but frankly it's ruining the game. As one of my coaches back in the day used to say, if God had wanted us to kick the rugby ball, he would have made it round. Near endless kicking, scrums that take too long to form, referees not applying the laws correctly, and players who still don't get it that thuggery is no longer part of rugby. All of these things made the Six Nations a tough watch at times. That's why I send a KISS K-I-S-S, to the lawmakers. Keep it simple, stupid. Report by Martin Hannan. Evening Time Sport, March 31. Swing Guru Goff, Bank's latest Scottish champion. Report by Nick Roger. To paraphrase the lyrics of hot chocolate singer Errol Brown, it started with a miss, never thought it would come to this. Now what is this scribe havering on about this time? I hear you chorus. Well, let Jamie Goff, the man who has helped Ewan Ferguson become Scotland's latest tour champion, explain. Reflected Goff, Ewan approached me in Qatar a year ago after he'd missed the cut there and asked if we could start doing some work together. Twelve months on, he's a winner in the same place. Ferguson notched a thrilling maiden win on the DP World Tour at last weekend's Qatar Masters with a rousing late charge which should have been accompanied by a mounted cavalry and a bugle call. An eagle and a birdie over his last three holes propelled the Bears Den youngster to the summit as he became the fourth Scottish 20-something to win on the circuit in the past 18 months. For Goff, 
The part Scottish, part Swedish, part South African swing guru. It was the 24th Tour victory by a player in his coaching stable and his second of 2022 after New Zealander Ryan Fox's success in Raz Al Kalma last month. Ferguson's win, of course, was particularly sweet as it arrived just a few weeks after the 25-year-old had surrendered a four-shot advantage on the final day of the Kenya Open. Throw in a dose of the coronavirus earlier in the campaign, and the two rookies' rise to prominence has been far from plain sailing. It's all part of the education in the school of hard knocks. Said Goff, the younger brother of former Dundee United Rangers and Scotland defender Richard, to bounce back from COVID and what happened in Kenya, especially for a rookie on the circuit, has been hugely impressive and he has shown great resilience. The tour is a very tough place. If you have any weaknesses in your game, they get exposed very quickly. People thought Ewan may have been further along with his development than some of the other Scots who won before him. But golfers mature at different times on the tour. He's only 25. In the time we have worked together, he's become more of a complete player. He understands his swing better. He's a great driver of the ball and his distance control has improved greatly in the last year. Tour life is a marathon, not a sprint. You just have to be patient and focus on getting better at your craft. If you do that, you'll have a long career. Having joined young compatriots Robert McIntyre, Grant Forrest and Callum Hill as recent first-time winners at the top table, Goff knows the upwardly mobile Ferguson will not be one to rest on any laurels. He won't be a one-hit wonder, added the 56-year-old, who is in the process of relocating from South Africa to Pittenweeman 5. He'll be a very good player for a long time. You don't want to tempt fate, but I'd back him to win again this year and get into the top 100 in the world. We sat down and mapped out small goals at the start of the year, but with a win, He's knocked these out of the park. Ferguson's win arrived in just his 37th start on the DP World Tour. Another of Goff's clients, the Scottish veteran David Drysdale, has played 552 events and is still chasing that elusive victory. At the end of the 2021 season, Drysdale held on to the final tour card in a nail-nibbling finale so tense it should have been nominated for a BAFTA. As a coach, it's always a roller coaster, added Goff, of the wildly fluctuating fortunes that his varied bunch of players experience throughout the golfing year. You live and die with every shot of every round. The elation you get with one of your boys winning can be tempered by someone else missing the cut. They are my team, you worry about all of them. David may not have won yet, 
but keeping his card for 15 years and playing over 500 events is a hell of an achievement in itself. People do not realise just what an achievement that is because the standard is exceptional and it keeps getting better. I am sure Ewan and the other young Scottish lads would be delighted if they were still out on tour in 20 years. Long may they reign, says Nick Roger. Evening Time Sport, March 31. Matt O'Reilly sets sights on Denmark's senior squad. Report by Graeme McGarry. Celtic midfielder Matt O'Reilly has set his sights on breaking into the senior Denmark squad after making his debut for the Danish under-21s against Belgium on Tuesday night. O'Reilly came on with 20 minutes to go in the 1-1 draw against the Belgians and despite passing up a couple of opportunities to score the winner, he impressed manager Jesper Sorensen and the Danish media with his performance. It was a night the Celtic man says he will never forget, as he immediately set his sights on making more memories by earning a place in the full international squad. O'Reilly said, My debut was nice. I might have been a little nervous before the match, but when I came in it was just a normal football match. I also had some good chances where I could have scored a goal with a little luck. I think Belgium was a bit lucky because we actually played really well. We also had some great chances in the last 20 minutes, so it is a little annoying that we did not win, but it was still a good performance. It was my first match, so I will definitely have to take the jersey home and hang it in my room. It's something I remember all my life. I am only 21 years old, so maybe there will be another A national team match, which I can also look back on. O'Reilly has been trying to converse with his teammates in their native tongue in order to fit into the squad quickly and conducted his post-match media duties in Danish to underline his commitment to the country of his mother's birth. He said, It was cool to hear the national anthem. There were probably not that many at the stadium, but it was still good. Maybe one day I can do it in a bigger stadium. It would be totally wild. I also sang along to the national anthem. There are probably some things that I do not know perfectly, so it's also something I have to learn. At least I'm trying. I do not want to be the one on the national team who does not bother to speak Danish, so I do my best. When I come home to Scotland, I also speak Danish with my mother. My grandmother is also coming soon, so I will also speak Danish with her. So in a year or two, my Danish can be almost perfect. That would be good. O'Reilly, who could have played for England or Norway at international level, is delighted to see how proud his decision to represent Denmark has made his family. He said, it's been great for them. I am Danish, but my family is pure Danish. So for them, it is absolutely crazy 
that I am on the national team. Report by Graeme McGarry. Evening Time Sport, March 31. Postecoglou had Callum McGregor convinced he could achieve special things at Celtic from day one. Report by Graeme McGarry. Bristol, mid-July, a balmy summer's evening was the backdrop as a cobbled together Celtic team played out a goalless draw in a friendly to open Bristol City's new training ground. At the time, it seemed as though the new Celtic manager, Ange Postecoglou, had an insurmountable task to shape his squad into something resembling a functioning unit, never mind one that could seriously challenge for the league title this season. A host of want-away players sat at the side of the pitch as a slew of youngsters took their place on the field. Two of those who did play, Mikey Johnston and Karamoko Dembele, picked up serious injuries which would curtail their seasons. From the brand spanking new pavilion, Celtic looked a serious work in progress, to put it charitably. And yet, as newly appointed captain Callum McGregor emerged from the changing room after the game, he had an unmistakable spring in his step. Even with the bare bones of a squad they had, he could see the path new manager Ange Postecoglou had already set them on and was certain the football he was committed to playing would bring them success. The only question was whether they could recruit and integrate the volume of quality players required to carry out his game plan, a question that Postecoglou managed to address by the end of that summer window and answer emphatically by the end of January. Many managers have been called the special one, but few since Jose Marino coined the phrase to describe himself in typically modest fashion have truly lived up to the moniker. It may be too early to bestow such a title upon Postecoglou in terms of what he has achieved at Celtic, though with the League Cup already tucked into the trophy cabinet and the Premiership and Scottish Cup still very much live possibilities, it may yet be one he earns. Inside the club though, it was evident there may well be something brewing from the very first time Postecoglou opened his mouth. McGregor knew it even before that night in Bristol. Reflecting on those early impressions of his new manager, McGregor was asked when he first thought Postecoglou might be able to achieve something special at the club. McGregor replied, when we first met him, you could see his ideas and you could see what he was trying to do. He always spoke about wanting us to play a certain style. He wouldn't change and we had to adapt and get to that level very quickly. You could see it in him straight away that he was desperate to do well and he had the credentials to do well. 
When you get your recruitment spot on as well, then that helps because then you've got good players that can come in and play that style of football. From pretty early on in the season, maybe the Dundee game at home where we scored six and played pretty well that day, you could start to see the cogs coming together. All the way through, even when we had little dips, you could still see that the structure was there and you could still see the idea was there. It's been pretty positive right from day one. Results may not have been positive right from the outset, but they didn't take long in catching up to the performances, with supporters lapping up the attacking brand of high-intensity football served up by their new manager. McGregor has played in many Celtic teams before that have been easy on the eye and he rates Postecoglou's Celtic up there with any of them when it comes to the aesthetically pleasing nature of their football. He continued, The level of football we have played has been very, very high and certainly right up there with some of the most attractive football that we've played. Certainly what I've played at this club as well. It just leaves us in a good place. And the beauty of it is that the manager is asking us if we, we can get even better, keep improving our football. He's not going to let us rest on what we've achieved so far. We're going to keep pushing and keep trying to get better. He says it all the time, that every game is an opportunity to get even better and show even more. A concept that seemed a million miles away back in July was that of healthy competition for starting places in the Celtic starting eleven. But the level of debate among fans on Postecoglou's strongest team for the trip to Ibrox on Sunday is indicative of the strength and depth that is now at his disposal. McGregor said, When you speak to the manager, that is the type of squad that he wants. He wants competition for places, two or three players for every position that could start the game. When you make changes, you are bringing on guys of the same quality, if not even better. That's the type of squad he wanted to build when he came in. And credit to him, he's done it in a really short space of time. What that then does for the players is that it makes us super sharp because we all know we have to play well to get into the team and that just drives the whole standard of the thing. We just keep going, keep working hard and keep trying to get better. If they can do that, then perhaps a truly special season is in the offing after all, says Graeme McGarry. Evening Times Sport, March 31. Qatar World Cup pots confirmed by FIFA. Report by Ewan Payton. The World Cup may be several months away, and with the season running now upon us after the first international break of the year, Qatar 2022 is probably quite far from everyone's minds. However, the draw for the first Winter World Cup 
will take place tomorrow, Friday, April 1. While Scotland have yet to confirm their place at the major finals, Steve Clark and company of course have a vested interest. With outstanding playoff games against Ukraine and Wales still to be played, qualification for the tournament is very much on the cards. Work has still to be done though. But with the pots confirmed today by FIFA, in line with the latest world rankings, Scotland at least now know who potentially lies in waiting. Scotland will be placed in pot 4, along with Ukraine and Wales, whoever qualifies from the tie. There are a few other undecided spots, with the likes of New Zealand, Australia and the UAE still battling it out to make up the final 32 teams. But here are the confirmed pots from FIFA ahead of the big day in Doha. Pot 1. Qatar, Belgium, Brazil, France, Argentina, England, Spain and Portugal. Pot 2. Denmark, Holland, Germany, Mexico, USA, Switzerland, Croatia and Uruguay. Pot 3. Senegal, Iran, Japan, Morocco, Serbia, Poland, South Korea and Tunisia. Pot 4. Australia, UAE, Peru, New Zealand, Costa Rica. Scotland, Ukraine, Wales, Saudi Arabia, Ecuador, Ghana, Cameroon and Canada. Report by Ewan Payton. Evening Time Sport, March 31. Rangers ace James Sands heading to World Cup with USA. Report by Ewan Payton. Rangers midfielder James Sands will be heading to the World Cup later this year. The on-loan New York City player was part of the USA team to secure their qualification for Qatar 22 last night. He was on the subs bench as the United States lost 2-0 to Costa Rica. However, due to their superior goal difference compared to the rivals, they reached the finals of the major tournament regardless. Sands took to his Instagram story to share a picture of the national team's post confirming their qualification. Greg Belhalter's side will return to the World Cup after an eight-year absence. Sands will be hoping his World Cup dream comes true if he's selected in the final squad for the tournament. Report by Ewan Payton. Evening Time Sport, April 1. Rangers keeper McGregor give an exceptional tag ahead of Old Firm Showdown. Report by Chris Jack. Greg Wilde saw Alan McGregor produce a moment of Old Firm magic to keep Rangers in a tight title race more than a decade ago. And the former Ibrox winger is amazed to see the keeper still producing the goods 
as he aims to inspire the champions to a crucial victory over Celtic on Sunday. McGregor's memorable save from Georgios Samara's penalty in April 2011 would earn Walter Smith's side a share of the spoils at Ibrooks and give them the platform to go on and lift the silverware. Now the 40-year-old will have to be at his best once again this weekend, a Celtic head across the city aiming to strike a defining blow in the race for the Premiership crown. McGregor has shown he is the man for the big occasion once again this term, and Wilde has no doubt his former teammate will relish the derby battle once again with the title on the line. Wilde told Time Sport, When Geeksy saved that penalty, that changed the whole dynamic of the season and gave Rangers the impetus in the title running. It was a massive save. Even now Grigsy is still saving penalties. Just look at him against Red Star Belgrade. He has been exceptional for Rangers over a number of years and at the age of 40 to still be playing at that level is incredible. I just can't believe how well he has done especially in the big games like Celtic or Red Star. He saved the penalty at Ibrooks and made so many over the tie. At 40, he still has that flexibility and to be at that level is incredible. Not many keepers at his age are at that level. Listen, Grigsy has been brilliant for Rangers. He has come in for some criticism at times when he has made mistakes, but he is a big character for Rangers and he just does what he does. He is one of the best. Report by Chris Jack Evening Time Sport April 1 Braga Boss Set for Old Firm Spying Mission Report by Chris Jack Braga Boss Carlos Carvajal will get a first-hand look at Rangers on Sunday as he takes in the old firm clash at Ibrooks. The Portuguese is set to jet into Glasgow for the defining Premiership tie with Celtic and cast his eye over Giovanni van Bronckhurst's side ahead of their Europa League clash next week. Braga are in Primeira Liga action tonight as they host third-place Benfica and look to consolidate their European place in the top flight this term. Carvajal will then turn his attentions to the quarter-final showdown with Rangers as Braga aim to set up a last four meeting with RB Leipzig or Atalanta. And the former Sheffield Wednesday and Swansea boss will be in the stand to get a closer look at the champions as Van Bronckhorst's side bid to keep their title dreams alive. The visit of Celtic kicks off a huge month for Rangers that will also see them face an old firm semi in the Scottish Cup and make the trip to Parkhead on league duties. The coming weeks will determine if the Light Blues are able to continue competing on three fronts 
as they attempt to write their name in the Ibrox history books. But Braga, who are currently fourth in the league and well off the pace being set by Porto, will, will pose a stiff challenge as Rangers prepare to return to the Estadio Municipal next week. Report by Christopher Jack. Evening Time Sport, April 1. Club 1872 react to Rangers' decision to back out of Sydney Super Cup clash. Report by Aidan Smith. Supporter group Club 1872 have welcomed the news that Rangers will not be participating in the Sydney Super Cup. The Ibrox outfit confirmed that they had backed out of the competition that was set to take place during the World Cup in Qatar in November. Rangers and Celtic were set to play against each other in the tournament and the decision was met with protests from both sets of fans. Club 1872, who own about 5% of the shares in Rangers, also criticised the Australia tournament and raised other concerns about the Ibrox board. But they have welcomed the club's decision. They said, Club 1872 welcomes the decision to pull out of the Sydney Cup. We hope now that through meaningful engagement with supporters and shareholders, Rangers will find a more suitable way to give overseas supporters an opportunity to see the team playing live in November. A Rangers statement earlier read, Rangers can confirm the club will not be participating in the Sydney Super Cup in November 2022. After it became clear, the tournament organisers were unwilling to fulfil their commitments to Rangers. We have, with immediate effect, terminated the club's agreement with the organisers. It is understood Rangers cited issues with branding and payments, plus the timing and manner of the initial announcement. A number of Rangers supporters were unhappy at the perception they would be playing support act to a homecoming jamboree for the Parkhead Club's Australian boss, Ange Postecoglou. Rangers supporters disrupted the Singe Premiership win at Dundee several times before the international break by throwing toilet rolls and tennis balls onto the pitch. The withdrawal comes ahead of a crucial period in Rangers' season, with their Europa League quarter-final against Braga and a Scottish Cup semi-final against Celtic to come in April along with a trip to face St Mun. Report by Aidan Smith. Evening Time Sport, April 1. Craig Gordon and Billy Gilmer, among five players in contention for the Scottish Football Writers Association, top international player. Report by Time Sport. Veteran goalkeeper Craig Gordon and 20-year-old midfielder Billy Gilmer are among the contenders for the Scottish Football Writers Association top international player. The pair are among a five-strong shortlist 
for the William Hill Men's International Player of the Year Award. Kieran Tierney, Lyndon Dykes and John McGinn are also among the nominations in a competitive field with Scotland going eight games unbeaten. Gordon has kept five clean sheets during that run after regaining the number one jersey from David Marshall this season. The 39-year-old Hearts goalkeeper made a string of impressive saves during Scotland's 2-2 draw with Austria on Tuesday when he won his 65th cap. Gilmer has been a consistently high performer since winning the Man of the Match award on his first Scotland start in last summer's European Championship clash with England. The Chelsea player has played in all eight games of Scotland's unbeaten run, despite not always being a regular starter for lone club Norwich. Queen's Park Rangers striker Dykes became the first Scotland player to score in four consecutive internationals since 1969. Aston Villa midfielder McGinn, who scored against Israel and Austria this season, and captained his country against Poland last week, is in line to win the award for a third year running. Arsenal defender Tierney netted his first Scotland goal against Austria this week. The Scottish football writers have also launched Glenn's Vodka Women's International Player of the Year award this season with a shortlist still to be confirmed. Report by Time Sport. Evening Time Sport, April 1. Rangers reason. Morellis missing. Celtic clash may work out. Report by Stuart Wilson. Stephen Presley reckons Rangers may benefit from Alfredo Morellis being out of the old firm game on Sunday. The Colombian was pictured heading to London on crutches from Glasgow Airport yesterday, with some reports suggesting he could also miss the Europa League games against Braga. It's not that the former defender doesn't rate the striker, whom he describes as quality, rather than the tactical nuance of the game is less suited to his style. Presley feels Rangers pressing has to be perfect to disrupt the hoops and reckons Kamar Roof, who is likely to start, is better suited to the role. He told the Daily Record, the most recent Old Firm game was decided by domination of the ball and Rangers' lack of ability to pressure the game high. That, in my opinion, is a big part of Celtic's success story this season. They have this ability to dominate possession, force teams to drop deep while they continuously build pressure. To stop that, you have to be able to halt Celtic getting into that rhythm by pressuring them high up the pitch. So I think that will be a pivotal aspect if Rangers are to get a result. I have seen the pictures of Morellis on crutches and I think counterintuitively that could be a blessing in disguise for Rangers.
I am not talking about from an attacking sense, as obviously every team would miss a player of his quality, but from the perspective of Rangers being able to put more pressure on Celtic, for this particular game, it might suit them to go with Kamar Roof. One of Morelis's failings is his ability to really pressure the ball when out of possession. He's not a pressing player. Roof, on the other hand, definitely is. And that's why I think this could be a game which really suits him if Rangers decided to go after Celtic. With Morelis in your team, I think that's difficult to do. Report by Stuart Wilson. Evening Time Sport, April 1. Sydney Super Cup organisers hit back at Rangers. Report by Matthew Lindsay. Organisers of the Sydney Super Cup have denied that they were unwilling to fulfil their commitments to Rangers and accused the Ibrox Club of letting down football fans in Australia and Asia by withdrawing from the event. The Scottish champions bowed to intense pressure from their supporters when they announced they were pulling out of the friendly tournament in November. Fans of the Glasgow Giants were incensed last month when they learned the board had agreed to play their city rival Celtic as well as Western Sydney Wanderers and Sydney FC down under even though they were set to bank over £3 million from their participation. A statement read, Rangers can confirm the club will not be participating in the Sydney Super Cup in November 2022. After it became clear the tournament organisers were unwilling to fulfil their commitments to Rangers, we have, with immediate effect, terminated the club's agreement with the organisers. But co-promoters TEG Sport and Left Field have hit back at Rangers and disputed their claim that they had been unwilling to fulfil their commitments, and they revealed amid reports they could take legal action against Rangers and hit the Glasgow Giants with a seven-figure bill. They will hold talks before deciding on their next step. A joint TEG Sport and Left Field Live statement read, We were disappointed to wake up this morning to Rangers FC's statement that it will not be participating in the Sydney Super Cup. The Rangers board committed to these matches following extensive negotiations over eight months, seemingly in response to negative fan reaction, they have pulled out of their contracted commitment. We have worked closely with all stakeholders to bring this exciting event to Sydney and we refute any suggestion that we were unwilling to fulfil our commitments to Rangers. We have acted in good faith and have put the event on sale with a great response from fans here. In changing their minds, the Rangers board has let down many, many fans in Australia and the Asian region. 
we will now consult with our stakeholders before determining our response. Evening Time Sport, April 1. World Cup draw offers possibilities and perspective. Report by Chris Jack. It could only be us. The name will be in the draw, but the place in the competition has not yet been secured for Scotland. If there is a hard way of doing things, if there is an unusual route to reach the destination, it was almost written in the stars that it would be Scotland who would be in that situation. It is, of course, one that is not of our own making. There should be no quibbles or contention, and if Steve Clark's side ultimately miss out on Qatar 2022 to U Ukraine, then there would be no more fitting recipient of the final World Cup berth. Time will tell whether that matter will be settled on the pitch or on a conference call. Once politicians and power brokers have had their say and made their moves, those that govern football will be left in the almost impossible position of deciding the fate of Ukraine in a sporting sense. Those conservations are for another day. This evening, the name of Ukraine will be in the draw for Qatar and the potential route back to normality, whenever that arrives, in terms of their international aspirations, will become slightly clearer. Three places in the finals are still up for grabs and the ties between Costa Rica and New Zealand and the UAE or Australia and Peru will take place in June. That is when Clark's side are set to face Ukraine and then take on Wales for the last European spot available. It is unusual for all the finalists not to be known before a ball is drawn, but the impact of the COVID pandemic is still taking a toll on the international game. The two intercontinental finals will be played in Qatar, having been moved from their initial dates and venues in March. If Scotland are indeed able to face and overcome Ukraine at the same time, the meeting with Wales that lies in wait will be a blockbuster event. History could be made by a squad who have already ended a two-decade-long wait to see the saltire fly amongst the finest names in the game. Should Scotland eventually book their ticket to Qatar, they will do so as one of the lowest seeded teams and a Clark's side will be in pot four when the draw is made this evening. Scotland may not have been accustomed to being in draws for quite some time, but the format of the competition will be familiar. Eight groups of four teams will be decided, but the match schedule will not automatically be configured. This, according to FIFA, will allow scope to provide a more beneficial kick-off time for audiences at home, and supporters will have to wait to discover what dates should be taken off as holiday time is saved for the tournament 
in November and December. The tournament hosts will take position A1 and be joined by the likes of England, Brazil, Spain and Argentina. There will be no place in Pot 1 for Germany or the Netherlands and the potential route out of the groups could be fraught for Scotland if they were to draw one of the heavy hitters from that section. Some of the biggest names won't be there. Italy will have to watch another finals from afar, following their defeat by North Macedonia, while Erling Haaland and Mo Salah will also miss out after Norway and Egypt fail to qualify. The same fate could yet befall Scotland. If it does, then the Tartan army will once again have to settle for a seat on the couch rather than one on the plane to a major finals. Having come so far, it would be painful to fall at this stage. If matches with Ukraine and Wales had been outlined at the start of the qualification process, Clark would surely have fancied his chances of following up a place at the European Championships with a dream trip to the World Cup. Some things are tough though, more important than the game. June will give Scotland a chance to progress, but it will also provide perspective and their football fate pales into insignificance in the bigger picture. The future cannot be predicted. Once the draw is made, Scotland will at least have a little more clarity on what lies ahead, says Chris Jack. Evening Time Sport, April 4. Callum McGregor on moment he dragged Celtic out of early Rangers storm. Report by Graeme McGarry. Amid the din and the chaos of Ibrox, with Rangers rampant and already a goal to the good within the opening few minutes, Celtic desperately needed someone to step up and settle their nerves. Someone who could reach inside themselves and pull them out of the hole they seemed to be fast disappearing into. In that moment, when they needed their captain, Callum McGregor stood up to the plate and then some. McGregor gathered the ball inside the Rangers half, got his head down and drove directly at their defence, wriggling through three challenges and doggedly forcing the ball into the area. A couple of shots later and a spill from home goalkeeper Alan McGregor and the ball was in the Rangers net. Suddenly, Ibrox was silenced, save for the 700 or so delirious Celtic supporters shoehorned into the far corner of the stadium and from that point on the visitors never looked back. With that run, McGregor had not only dragged his team up the pitch, back into this match and helped them to seize the momentum in the game, he had almost dragged them over the finishing line in the title race. The performance from McGregor may well be the moment he truly arrived as a Celtic captain, showing beyond all doubt in the toughest venue, in the most arduous of circumstances, that he is fit to wear the armband. McGregor said, it was a huge effort 
to go a goal down so early in the game but then recover. We got ourselves level and then to go in 2-1 at half time was superb and probably just what we needed in the game. That gave us the impetus to come out in the second half and be strong, be compact. You are always going to come under pressure when you come here, so it was a huge effort and performance from the group. There is obviously the chaos that is going on when we lost the early goal, and we tried to rely on our principles and our team shape to get us through that. That's been a feature of the game. We get it wide and we bounce it inside and it just seemed to be on that point to go and drive. We got it in the box and square it and we got the goal, which is great. I think the most important thing was to rely on the principles of the team when there are difficult moments. We understand our roles and what the manager wants and we have to go and deliver it. It was good to get through that first little phase of the game and then get ourselves level and we had a bit more comfort in the game. In the second half we had real good resilience to get through it. It's my first win here as captain. It's superb and I've got to thank the lads for that. It was a real team effort. Everyone came together, running hard for each other, making blocks, making tackles, everything. So it was a real team performance and that shows everyone is together in there. It was brilliant for the fans to get back in. We just wish there were more of them, but hopefully we've sent them home happy and the millions watching around the world. They certainly achieved that. And if they can keep their heads in the final six games of the season, then they will deliver a league title that had seemed a hugely unlikely prospect at the start of the season, from the outside at least. There were many who felt this may be a transition season for Celtic, as new manager Ange Postecoglou performed major surgery on his squad over the summer, a theory that looked to be being borne out as they lost three of their first six Premiership matches. They have managed to turn that notion on its head though, with this win giving them a six-point lead at the top of the table, and a 15-goal advantage too, with just those handful of games still to navigate. McGregor says he knew early on in pre-season that this group of Celtic players could win the league, and he has now urged them to stay humble in order to make good on his prediction. He said, It's obviously been a huge effort, a huge turnaround for the club, and from the manager and the players who have come in. But I said it from day one, when I saw this group of players come in and train, I knew very quickly that it wasn't a transition for us. We wanted to win, the players were hungry to win, the manager is super hungry, and those are the demands he puts on the group. We just seem to be getting better, and we are facing more challenges together as a group. And I think when you do that, you give yourselves a really good base for the season. That's where we are just now. 
but we understand there's still a lot of football to be played. We don't come off it, we come back in tomorrow, we work hard, and we look forward to the weekend as well. I think we have got good guys in there anyway that are not even thinking about getting carried away at all. We'll come in tomorrow, recover, and look to the weekend. That will be another challenge. The manager will put the same demands on us as he did today. I think that's the beauty with this group of players. They are just so hungry to win and do well. And when you have that every day, it stands you in good stead. Report by Graham McGarry Evening Time Sport, April 4 Postecoglou provides Celtic injury update. Report by Aidan Smith Ange Postecoglou has provided an injury update on both Matt O'Reilly and Greg Taylor following yesterday's victory over Rangers. Taylor was on from the start but limped off after 71 minutes and was replaced by Anthony Ralston. O'Reilly came on for Tom Rogic just after the hour mark but was then replaced on 76 minutes after picking up a knock in a strong 50-50 challenge. Updating on the pair, Postecoglou told Celtic TV, They shouldn't be too bad. Greg was just cramp. Matty got a bit of a decent knock. He probably could have soldiered on, but the game being as it is, and we've got a bench now that can make a difference, we thought we would take him off and just protect him. Postecoglou also hailed his players' character after their 2-1 comeback win over Rangers took them six points clear at the top of the Singe Premiership. He beamed, I am really proud of the players. It was a proper derby. Both teams were at it and they obviously got off to a great start and the crowd was up for it. To come back from that and show the resilience we did, we played ourselves back into the game and got ahead. Then the character in the second half to defend as we did. Like I said, I'm really proud. This group of players just really believes in what we're trying to create here. I thought when we needed to, we found the football to get us back into the game. Report by Aidan Smith Evening Times Sport April 4 Chris Sutton warns Celtic that title is not yet won. Report by Aidan Smith Chris Sutton has warned Celtic that the title race is not over despite the hoops moving six points clear of Rangers. Ange Postecoglou's side delivered a 2-1 victory at Ibrox as Tom Rogic and Cameron Carter-Vickers cancelled out an early Aaron Ramsey strike. Sutton was impressed with Celtic's display, but he insists there's still a lot of football to be played in the race for the title. He explained in the Daily Record, Only a fool will say it is over. It's not easy to win a championship, especially the first, as it would be for a lot of the Celtic squad. Crucially, no one inside the camp will think it is done. The manager and skipper simply will not allow that to happen. You saw them and heard them after the last Rangers game. 
saying that nothing had been achieved after the 3-0 win, and that's the same here. There are still 18 points up for grab, and Celtic are going to have to keep their foot on the pedal. Rangers could go to Celtic Park after the split and win. They are a good side, and they are capable of doing so. However, it just felt like there was something pivotal about this victory for Celtic. The way they went to the home of their rivals and recovered from a shocking start to win the game and cope with everything that was thrown their way speaks volumes. Report by Aidan Smith Evening Time Sport April 4 Chris Commons slams Rangers support over bottle throwing Report by Ewan Payton Former Celtic star Chris Commons has slammed the Rangers fans who lobbed bottles onto the Ibrox pitch yesterday. He has urged the Light Blues to dig out those responsible, as he insisted that some of their fans cannot behave when at games. The game finished 2-1 to Celtic, thanks to goals from Tom Rogic and Cameron Carter-Vickers. The result fired the Commons' old side six points clear at the summit of the Premiership, with only six games left. It was certainly a hammer blow to Rangers' hopes of retaining the title. However, the headline news in the aftermath of the game was the shards of broken glass found on the pitch right after half-time. On top of this, a Celtic staff member requires stitches after being struck by a missile, and Commons was disgusted by what he saw. He wrote in the Daily Mail, Those missiles which pelted Joe Hart's penalty box and a Celtic member of staff were quite obviously thrown from sections of the stadia housing home supporters. Rangers have simply got to find the culprits and ban them for life. Seriously, what sort of idiot goes to a football match and thinks it's a good idea to throw bottles onto the pitch? I am not convinced a glass bottle would actually smash on a grass pitch unless it was thrown from a truly extraordinary height. So unless it shattered off a goalpost, you've got to consider the possibility that someone has gone to Ibrox yesterday with a broken glass bottle in their pocket with the intention of throwing the shards onto the pitch. Rangers fans cannot behave themselves at the best of times. They went down to Manchester in 2008 for the UEFA Cup final and caused mayhem. Then after winning the title last year, they turned George Square into a riot zone. And these were supposed to be the good times. Rangers fans have a chip on their shoulders from the financial meltdown of 2012. They are very quick to play the victim card and seem to think the rest of the football world owes them a favour, or that they can get away with blue murder and do whatever they please without any consequence. Now, admittedly, it would be wrong to tar them all with the same brush. A couple of my closest friends are Rangers fans and we have great banter together. It's all good-natured knockabout stuff. But there is another element to a section of the Rangers' support who are frankly a disgrace. They have absolutely no class whatsoever. 
You could also see quite clearly on the TV cameras that Celtic winger Yota was having coins thrown at him as he went to take a corner. In the interest of balance, let me be clear on this. Celtic have their own issues in this area. The Green Brigade have stained the club's reputation at various points in recent years. But for someone to intentionally throw a bottle or broken glass onto a football pitch, come on, that's surely a new law. That's actually worse than what we saw at George Square last year. It is now up to Rangers to engage with police to ensure the culprits never again set foot inside a football stadium. Report by Ewan Payton Evening Time Sport, April 4 Several glass bottles found in Rangers End in aftermath of Celtic clash. Report from Times Sport Several glass bottles were recovered following yesterday's old firm derby at Ibrox between Rangers and Celtic. It is believed that the shocking number of drinks bottles were spotted in a Rangers home section of the stadium. The game finished 2-1 to Celtic, with Tom Rogic and Cameron Carter-Vickers cancelling out Aaron Ramsey's early strike. But while there were plenty of talking points from the game itself, crowd incidents stole the headlines. Shards of glass were discovered on the pitch before the restart after half-time, as Joe Hart alerted referee Willie Collum. After the game, it was revealed that a member of the backroom staff at Celtic had been struck by a bottle thrown in his direction as he required stitches from medical staff. Pictures in the aftermath of the game highlighted the sheer number of bottles uncovered from the Broomlawn stand at the ground. A mixture of Buckfast and vodka half bottles could be seen lined up on an advertising wall. As it appears, fans situated in the Rangers section managed to sneak in the alcohol. Celtic manager Ange Postecoglou branded those responsible as idiots. He said, he was on the way in, I think he is okay, he had a couple of stitches. It is disappointing because this is a game that gets beamed around the world and it stands on its own. You had two teams going at it in first and second spot and you don't need a couple of idiots spoiling it. Report by Times Sport Evening Times Sport April 4 Scottish Premier Football League Address Rangers Bottle Incidents Report by Ewan Payton the SPFL have issued their response to yesterday's events at Ibrox in the derby clash between Rangers and Celtic. League chiefs are urging supporters to contact Police Scotland after a number of crowd-related incidents at the game. Broken glass was thrown from the Copeland Road end of the stadium onto the pitch before the restart of the game at half-time as Celtic keeper Joe Hart alerted referee Willie Collum and his officials to the situation. Health and safety staff cleared the shards from his goal mouth as the second half was delayed by around five minutes. It was also found after the game that a Celtic member of staff required stitches 
following a headwind from a bottle being thrown. Police are investigating both incidents and it has been confirmed as both Angie Postecoglou and Giovanni Van Bronckhurst condemned the unsavoury scenes at Ibrox. Now the SPFL say fans who witnessed either incident should get in contact with police in order to help with finding those responsible. An SPFL spokesman said, We await the match delegates report and we would urge any fans with information about these incidents to contact the police. Postikoglu said post-match, It is disappointing because this is a game that gets beamed around the world and it stands on its own. You had two teams going at it in first and second spot and you don't need a couple of idiots spoiling it. Report by Ewan Payton Evening Time Sport April 4 Tiger Woods to make game time decision on Masters participation Tiger Woods has announced he will practice at Augusta before deciding whether to compete at next week's Masters. Woods has not played in a top-level event since being involved in a horrific car crash in February 2021. The 15-time major champion required surgery on open fractures to his lower right leg and further injuries to his foot and ankle following the single vehicle accident in Los Angeles. Woods said on his personal Twitter account, I will be heading up to Augusta to continue my preparation and practice. It will be a game time decision on whether I compete. Woods was included in the pre-tournament press conference schedule. He is due to talk to the media on Tuesday. His potential participation at the Masters, the first major tournament of 2022, has been the talk of the golfing world. The 46-year-old American, who feared shortly after the accident that his right leg would have to be amputated, competed in the PNC Championship with son Charlie in December. But Woods was allowed to use a cart in the 36-hole event and could opt not to hit some shots due to the scramble format. He said in February that he could walk on a treadmill all day but had a long way to go before being fit enough to tackle a course with the undulations of Augusta. And that was this week's Glasgow Times Sport podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes with the publisher's kind permission. Thanks for listening.